0: The collective writings of J.R.R. Tolkien are some of the most celebrated works in literary history, paving the way for nearly every other fantasy epic to come since. In the early 2000s, the world of cinema was blessed with the near perfection that was Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, which set the bar for fantasy filmmaking much in the same way that Tolkien did himself for writing. While Jackson's Hobbit trilogy wasn't all bad, it proved that catching lightning in a bottle again might have been an impossible task. But let's fast forward to 2022, where Amazon's billion dollar Tolkien gamble has just concluded its first season. There's been a lot of hype surrounding this series, as well as some intense negativity. So, today on this episode of Scriptor Screen, we're wandering through the lands of Middle Earth with Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power.
1: Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Scriptor Screen, your number one source for touching the darkness so you can recognize the light. I'm one of your hosts, Christopher Kitchen, alongside my other most uh, wise co-host, Zach Strachman. That's me. Zach, how are you doing this fine evening?
0: Oh, that you know, I am. I'm doing good. You know why? Because we're talking. We're talking Tolkien, and I'm always doing good when we're talking Tolkien. My man, you have Tolkien tatted on your arms. It's
1: true. The audience can't see this yet, but Zach literally has the doors of Durin on his arm. That's true. Among other things. Among other things. But there
0: is a fantasy element to your body. That's yes. (laughs) And it's not all on my arm. (laughs) We're back. We're back again. We're, we're doing the scripts, we're doing the screens, we're here talking for another exciting episode of this crazy show that we do, and our audience can find this show in many places, like where, Chris? They can find
1: us at scripture Screen, and on our website, www.scripterscreen.com, or anchor.fm forward slash Screen. there... You can find all the wonderful platforms that we are available on, which is basically all of them at this point. I I don't know about you. I've like kind of just settled on Spotify between Spotify and Apple Podcasts is like where I bounce between, you know, but we're, we're available on all the other plethora of platforms at Scriptor screen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, find us, tag us, add us, don't add us, but like add us, you know, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. There you go, Zach. Um, let us uh, let's kick this episode off with uh, a question, Zach. Do you remember where you were when you heard that uh, the rights to Lord of the Rings and the Tolkien estate, if you will, uh, were up for grabs, for sale, if you will? And do, do I remember where I was? No. No. You don't remember a, a small campaign that you and I tried to put together to
0: to really get the creative control into the right hands? I definitely remember that, uh, but I don't remember where I was when we when when the news first graced my ears. Um, but let me tell you, now that it's come to that, I am excited to announce that that very campaign to buy Zach. Lord of the Rings uh failed miserably. <laughs> oh, yeah. It
1: was a it was a very tough week at the uh, virtual offices of Scripture Screen headquarters. I may or may not have cried myself to sleep on several occasions. I don't I couldn't think of anybody more deserving besides you other than Jeff Bezos, of course.
0: I mean, listen. If you're going to spend money on something, this is at least better than sending just a bunch of shitty rich people up into space for literally no reason. Well, let's agree to disagree there. No, no, no. I, I only... think
1: I think uh uh William Shatner deserved it.
0: Did he I mean he's an actor.
1: Yeah, he is an actor, but he didn't make
0: a career off going to fake space. Listen, I am Maybe we should have just send him back to fake space. I am a vocal critic of uh people like Bezos who they spend their money on all these unnecessary things when they literally have the money to make the world a better place. And I've even said I've gone on record in conversations before that I would almost forego this entire series. If Jeff Bezos um, spent the money he spent on the series to like actually like ending world hunger or something, I'd be like, that's fine. I, I can live with that. That's really funny.
1: Cause in my notes here, I'm looking at a comment you made uh, hmm. from December 25th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas of twenty twenty one. Okay. Um, and you you sent me in a message, a telegram, yes. if you will. Uh, Merry Christmas, fuckface. I love Jess Bezos, and uh, I wish that he were to ruin my favorite thing ever. Um, Signed, Zach Daddy Strackman.
0: That was. Yes, but you said Je- Jess Bezos, and I don't like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Jess, Jess Bezos I, is something else entirely. Excuse my, uh, my English. Uh, hey, Chris. Yes, sir. As I have said many times, we're living in the golden age of television. Um, Rings of Power just ended. Dude. She-Hulk just ended. Dude. We're on the... Next week is the last episode of House of the Dragon. Mm. Andor has been everything I wanted it to be out of a Star Wars series. I
1: actually, right before recording this episode, just got caught up to episode 6. Oh, so, now, I am, What an
0: episode uh, it was.
1: What an episode it was indeed. The show is definitely uh, coming to be something I didn't think it was going to be and I'm happier about that.
0: Yes. Happier and, about it because um, of that. And uh, on the other fronts, we got, you know, Bleach. If you like Bleach, Bleach is back chainsaw man is being adapted and it's wonderful uh other shows other exciting things are happening and you know what i need to finish watching i don't think the whole season's out yet uh that uh fx series the patient starring uh steve Carell. dude i'm like Donald three Leeson. or four
1: episodes in to, into it and oh, I'm, I I'm like have seven like,
0: episodes into it
1: oh okay so i've fallen desperately behind is what it is then
0: but not um, all the episodes are out yet And it's only, like, 20 minutes an episode. So it really leaves you wanting more, because it's really well made. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here going, please, sir, may I have some more? And Daddy Hulu is going, no, no, you wait your turn. We'll see. Maybe. You
1: you actually see the news that Netflix might be uh, changing their model and adopting the weekly... uh, The weekly release versus their tried and true, uh, bingeable nonsense. I would prefer,
0: hmm. Cause it is Netflix is the only one that really does that. I guess. And maybe, maybe it's me being like, you know, it's just like, I've been programmed for years of getting bingeable seasons of
1: convenience.
0: Yeah, to being like, I don't like that. But who knows? It might be better. I just, uh, you know. I'll tell you what. It's me. It, uh, all right. Here's the
1: benefit and not benefit to the thing. Because I, I've come to the point where, all right, I've maybe started Dahmer, which is have been available for some time now. Mm-hmm. And I'm still only on the first episode. There you versus go. all these other shows have had weekly releases. And it's took it's taken me forever to try to get caught up with everything like i think i finished she hulk a week or two late i just got caught up to end now uh i was a week late to um i think i just watched like two episodes of rings of power this last week like i am
0: you know it's cool you know there was a lot of overload we do have lives to lead outside of our entertainment um but i don't know, know that anybody does it right in the end is what i'm trying to say that's true. No one has all the answers, um, not even the very wise. Um, so I think, with all that said, we should delve into it. Um, we can give some, like, extremely, maybe like one or two sentences, brief, non-spoilers, what we thought. Um, and then we can we can kind of, like, get into the nitty-gritty and talk full spoilers on Rings of Power. Uh, Chris, and, like, you know... Uh, two or three sentences, what did you think of Rings of Power? I think it had a strong beginning
1: and a strong ending, but for my own personal taste, I Mm -hmm. think there was a lot in the middle that could have been uh, more entertaining. I found that I leaned more towards some of the storylines I was more interested in than others, which isn't Mm -hmm. the fault of them versus my, you know, taste as like a I'm not, like, a too deep into, like, the fantasy world, mm-hmm. right? Like, I enjoy me some Game of Thrones. Yes. And then I enjoy me some Lord of the Rings films. Mm-hmm. And then anything else in between, I'm really, I have no idea about it, about any of that. Now, this show, it takes a lot more and they have the time and the availability to get into some of those more higher fantasy aspects, which is fine. And they they mix it in well with uh, a lot of great characters and, and other stories and stuff, but at times I found it a little hard to follow some points just because I now have to remember new names of things, but in the overall I will say, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the direction that they finally put everything in
0: and I cannot wait for the next season. I can agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I'm coming from a standpoint of, you know, me, I'm, I am a, I'm not a hoe for Lord of the Rings. I'm a full blooded, like Lord of the Rings slut. Um, (laughs) you
1: got, you got, you got the red, uh, L O T R written on your chest. Yeah, really. Instead of the red a, right. I
0: literally own more than one copy of the the books. Um,
1: so for me, like
0: even in the most boring or I wouldn't even say boring, but even some of the more, the slowest parts, um, I'm still like, it's still my bread and butter. I know, like I have people I know who's like, I just couldn't. I couldn't get into it. And I'm like, okay, no, that's fine. For me, even I can recognize those moments. And I agree, that, and we'll get into some some valid criticisms of the series um, in a little while. But uh, yeah, I agree that uh, I think it has some pacing issues. Um, and, and there's a lot of aspects about the show that I think once you take them into consideration as a whole... It only makes me appreciate the series more, um, and we'll get into that, um, but I love the series. You know me, I, I don't think, unless they really messed it up somehow, I don't think there was a way I was not going to like this series. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that being said, let's kind of dive in. Do you have a, a synopsis?
1: I do. Ooh. So, the synopsis of for the series, a series uh, overview, if you will. Please. This is the one that's on on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's it's kind of long. It's, it's like the epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. It will take viewers back to an era which uh, great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin. Unlikely heroes were tested. Hope hung by the finest threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover all the world in darkness beginning in a time you,
0: like it doesn't say anything about the show. Yeah. Uh I okay. So I the the Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power is about kind of what the title ensues. It's about the set in the world of Lord of the Rings. It tells the story of the creation, the events surrounding and the creation of the Rings of Power, uh which if you've seen the prologue to Fellowship of the Ring, you kind of know what that's what that's about. Um, yeah, I think as far as the synopsis, that should probably, that should probably sate the, the listeners. Uh, let's talk about the people involved in and around the camera. I don't know if anyone's in the camera. Um, but the little camera hobbits the are little, in the, the camera, little, <laughs> the little cameramen. Um, so <laughs> this series was created by JD Payne and Patrick McKay. And can I say First thing to know about these guys and uh just makes me kind of amazed that the show is as good as it is. This is their first television show they've ever run. That's interesting. Yeah. They they uh, this they've literally never ran a, uh you know, never acted as showrunners for a TV show before and they have spoken in interviews about how they learned so much in the production of this first season that they have so much better ideas going forward for, like, seasons, like, two and beyond mm-hmm. that um, I'm just, like, I'm really
1: excited. You know what's funny is that, like, they this is, like, their first almost credit ever, it seems. Like, if you go yeah. in, like, J.D. Payne's, like... Uh, imdb he has Mm -hmm. maybe yeah like no other credits except for i don't know yeah no just this and then also (laughs) like he's a producer of uh, flash gordon uh redux so uh, that is an interesting choice to put your money on you know if you're just jeff bezos
0: yeah um and it's it will, uh, yeah so obviously Jeff Bezos network was Amazon Prime video um when you hear about like what the other intentions of all the other studios who were bidding with the Tolkien estate Netflix was trying to get it HBO was trying to get it uh, and they all pitched different ideas and each one of them was turned down uh, but Amazon, uh, got the rights because the Tolkien estate felt the most comfortable with the story they wanted to tell, which I think is really great. Uh, obviously, is based on the collective works of J.R.R. Tolkien. There's a lot of misinformation that goes around that says they couldn't get the rights to the Silmarillion, and so uh, they they are working from not having all the information they could use for the series— uh, they're working in direct connection with the Tolkien estate, mm-hmm. so if they want to use something, they literally just have to ask for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty nice. I'm, oh, yeah, I mean, we'll draw. I'm going to draw another parallel to that in a sure. bit, but I, uh, I think that for all intents and purposes, they got yeah. the uh, the go ahead on a lot yeah. of things. I would
0: say if you're working with the people who who say yes or no to anything involving Tolkien's work or his name, I think you're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, I would hope anyway, and as far as this first season is concerned, I believe they did. Uh, We got directors for the series, J.A. Bayona, Wayne Yip, and Charlotte Brandstrom. It was written by J.D. Payne, Patrick McKay, Jennifer Hutchinson, Jason Cahill Cahill uh, Justin doble Stephanie Folsom Nicholas Adams the opening theme was written by the one the only Howard Shore back from the Peter Jackson films you, you gotta love it and he did a fantastic job that opening theme is Mwah, for, It was
1: I uh, it was I chef's
0: kiss no I love it it's great um soundtrack for the series was composed by bear mccreary uh and i don't know about you uh, i have been familiar with some of bear mccreary's work in previous shows but i would say by and large this is i think the best i have ever heard from him uh i'm gonna
1: look up bear mccreary i see composer rings of power mm-hmm. great now let's he did, like,
0: he did walking dead oh he did... dude he
1: did a godzilla king of monsters probably what lee he did, oh, apparently his uh, the work he has coming up is the the God of War Ragnarok game soundtrack. I don't doubt he, it. He composed that. Uh, it's, it's still pretty cool. Like, the thing is, 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 like, the fact that he can kind of jump from mediums and, like, do all those. Oh, he did, like, Tales from Galaxy's Edge. Okay, that's cool. He's He's got a, an interesting um, backlog of, or catalog of, of work. He yes. did Ten Cloverfield Lane. Okay, now we're
0: now we're getting somewhere. And to I'm that a fan. point, I don't think I can remember a single musical uh, moment from that movie. More so, I remember the the tight, uh, tense atmosphere and the really good acting. Dude, in that he movie. did
1: Battlestar Galactica. Zach, you should have started okay. off on there. I love the sci fi Battlestar Galactica remake. Yeah, like, that was my the, jam. Yeah, yeah. Were James
0: Olmos and all that? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. That was my nice. jam back in the day.
0: Um, but yeah, so, um, I honestly think this is his best work. Um, I literally just sat in my car driving, listening to this soundtrack because I think it's fantastic. Um, and I think even some of the most vocal critics of this series have said, uh, that the music's fantastic, which I think is, uh, pretty telling. Uh, obviously this just ended, this, the original run of the series was from September 1st to october 14th uh, although chris we you and i and a collection of our circle we got to see the first two episodes in theaters that was the first time i ever got to do that for a
1: tv series and a lot so there's been plenty of shows that that have had nice like premieres in theaters before yes um i got to see i don't know why uh, the only one in my mind i'm thinking of is uh what was the marvel one that got canceled in humans Oh, Um,
0: I got to see uh, the final two episodes of season four of Game of Thrones in the theater. That sounds amazing. Battle of the Wall, and then the one that came after the Battle of the Wall. Um, And that was cool. And I did it uh, because it also came with an advanced screening of the season five trailer. So that was fun. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, But then uh, let's look at this cast, because, man... This cast is stacked like you wouldn't believe. We got Morfith Clark as Galadriel, Robert Aramayo as Elrond half Elvin. So is half Elvin his last name? No, it's just a, a title because he is Half-Elven. Okay, just ask. <laughs> Benjamin Walker as Gil-Galad. Charles Edwards as brimbor
1: No, Zach, say it in the voice that we like. Ch-
0: Char- Charles Edwards as Kelebrimbor. There you go. <laughs> uh, Charlie Vickers as Halbrand, and we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, Is- <laughs> that kind of buries the lead, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Ismail Cruz Cordova as Arondir. Now, Chris, you happen to uh, be somewhat acquainted with this gentleman, Dude, are you not? This was insane because... I was in the theater watching the first episodes.
1: I'm like, how do? Where do I know this guy from? And I'm like, <laughs> thinking for the life of him, like, I'm like looking through his IMDb. I'm like, I have, I haven't seen any of these projects. And then I realized something. like, no shit. Like, I worked with this dude, uh, like a year and a half ago, or like to almost two years ago now. Like in the summer of 2019, over like the course of like three weeks, he was on like one of these sets that I was on, and I was like, oh my god, like it was really cool to see him on screen. As like he was. He, uh, before the other role he was like a supporting role but
0: he's front and center in this is, you know is, like he's is very cool this is awesome also I didn't know this until after uh, the series is done I found this out a few days ago he is in the Mandalorian he is in the episode where they bust the one Twi'lek out of the, the prison ship is he? yeah he's that guy he's the Twi'lek dude
1: oh they, my god they bust
0: out. it's the makeup yeah yeah, it's crazy. I would have never known. Um, all right, we got uh, Nazanin Boniati as Bronwyn and Tyro Muhafidin as Theo. Both, both of them sound like they got fantasy Lord of the Rings names already. Um, we got Owen Arthur as Durin the Fourth, Sophia Nomvete as Disa, uh, Markella Kavanaugh as Eleanor Nori Brandyfoot, Daniel Wayman as The Stranger. Lenny Her- Henry bleh, as Saddock Burroughs. Megan Richards as Poppy Proudfellow. Lloyd Owen as Elendil. Cynthia Di Robinson as uh, Queen Muriel, Queen Regent Muriel. Uh, Tristan Gravel as Farazon, Maxim Baldry as Isildur. And... Joseph uh, Malle as Adar, and I remember the first time he stepped on screen, I said, "That's fucking Benjen Stark." <laughs> <laughs> um, it is that, Benjen Stark, isn't it? It is. Oh my God! Now and I also, just realized Elrond uh, Robert Aramayo was he was
1: young Ned Stark. Every Vanity Fair wrote it like, "Oh, Ned Stark joins production
0: of." Uh, what and you're, you're like it? Sean Bean in, yeah. in Lord of the Rings again? <laughs> I'm like, how's that possible? <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, but yeah. So uh, this cast is stacked, and they're all so it's it's
1: like I like that it's good. like half known kind of actors, half I don't want to say unknown kind of actors, but it's just I like, would say they definitely
0: a- they prioritize like people who I don't think a lot of folks would recognize. Yeah, so. Um,
1: it It definitely had a lot more of that kind of um in its favor that we we got we get to know all these characters, really. I know a lot of people talk about they don't have like that star factor to them, and it like will take them out of the world. Mm-hmm. I don't experience that per se, but I know other individuals may or may not be on this podcast talk about that, <laughs> especially when they see one uh, I don't know Matt Damon on the screen or something like that. Um, it
0: depends. It depends on the role and the performance. I gotta say, but I thought everyone was great in this. Um, uh, I think everyone really held their own in terms of the drama. In terms of selling the illusion, which yeah. I think for sometimes can be a little challenging yeah. uh, when you're working with something that literally doesn't exist. Um, and I got. I just. Ah, I, I would love to spend like ten hours talking about this. I would say if anyone is just interested to really get into the nitty gritty, just the minute details of this series, uh, check out Rings and Realms, which is a podcast run by Corey Olson uh, of uh, he's like the Tolkien professor online, and he has been going through every episode after they've come out and really exploring the themes and the story beats and everything about it, and it's just been a delight to listen to uh, and really just where you can sink your teeth into the sometimes insane depth of the um, attention to detail uh, the production went into with this series.
1: Well, now um, the ball's in Corey's foot. And his The ball's in his court? Not his foot.
0: Oh, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> um... <laughs> to talk about scriptor screen oh Let- I mean if he did I'd be Corey Olson. if you want to come on and just nerd out with me about Lord of the Rings and Tolkien in general you're invited Zach let's uh let's get into it let's talk Fleets. about this very
1: divisive series <laughs> oh because my oh my god is this show being like it, it is the topic of much controversy Um, to the point where I don't know if I I go on the streets and tell people that I like this show because I'm afraid of the the reaction I'm
0: going to get the backlash right yeah there's a lot of I think so I think there's a lot of you get this thing with a lot of fandoms where they see something and they watch it and they feel like they have some form of ownership of it Mm -hmm. and so when you do something that might be different than what they're expecting they go hey that's not my thing You're messing up my thing. Um, And I can say even as like a very deep Tolkien fan, uh, that's stupid and you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a lot of bad faith criticism of this series because it casts women in roles, because it had those women doing things that men do, I guess, Uh, because there were people of color um you can understand where a lot of these bad faith criticisms are coming from is is bigotry and i just i don't understand it i don't i don't i can't understand how like someone can look at lord of the rings and say i'm going to be bigoted about this you know it's funny i want to say like even like
1: the original films deal with that like thematically oh it's in it's terms of like
0: yes Yes. I, I, like, like
1: you you they're literally dealing with a race that nobody thinks that a hobbit or certain type of person can do something, and it's just like I don't know that they're. They it's get the literally
0: is literally what Lord of the Rings is about. Is yeah. people of different races coming together to 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 wipe out evil and hate in the world. Um, yeah. And I and I want to say this because a lot of people have like a lot of people who don't like this series have also jumped on the 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 soapbox of. Oh, if if you know if anyone's a critic, they're racist. No, no. I have found stuff in this series that I am critical of. Uh, you have found stuff in the series you are critical of, and yet we like it. Um, and there's a difference. You can be critical of a series, and uh, you can choose not to like it. And you can there can be a series that you just don't like, and you can have your valid reasons. But I feel like so much of the negativity surrounding the series has been in such poor faith that i can't take it seriously so you know you we talked
1: or you just kind of mentioned that like we have like our things that we do like what we don't like i i also want to say like we had a our viewing experience upon like first time in that theater like Mm -hmm. uh position that it put us in like i would say we got a pretty good like first impression of the show as well. Like, oh yeah, the show starts off, the first episode, with, like, that kind of grand opening. Mm-hmm. You know, we get, like, the mighty action and battle between, like, the end of Morgoth... Get, getting and, to see Valinor and the... Exactly. The, the two trees of Telperion and Larlin and... And then you get, like, the little, like, the... Um, like, the voiceover as well. Um... Uh, or it's had about like kind of like the tellings of what happened up until like now. We see Galadriel on her own quest to like find Sauron, right? Right, right. Um, and it it kind of puts us in a different position that I don't think we've ever been in. I, I guess like in terms of introduction to like Lord of the Rings pieces. Every time that Lord of the Rings ends, or even the Hobbit, uh, it was always picking up like where we left off. You know, mm-hmm. it didn't give us like that breathing room. And I feel like what this show did is it let it kind of fall fo- you know I'm gonna start with the comparisons now. It followed a very similar thing to let's say like Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. In what regard? Some of the a lot they take a lot of the episodes as like other events happening at different times. Not every single episode <gasps> continues okay, yes. where yes. it's it's left off. Um, and sure maybe other shows and things. Uh, you know material do that, but I feel like for this episode specifically we have this interesting benefit of being able to compare it to a show that's also simultaneously releasing, though the shows have two different missions altogether. Um, and we'll get into that because I think that helps and hurts the show in some regards. Ag- agreed. And But I think in this instance like, I I like that it in terms of pacing, I never saw that as an issue with the show. Like, um, I will... Yeah, in all reality, I feel like the pacing of this show has always been like it. It's very um, comparable to other programs or like other similar programming. I what I found was that my biggest issue became with certain storylines, mm-hmm. um, because of the the different nature of those storylines. They sometimes will get an entire episode without the hardfoots. Sometimes we'll get an entire episode without. Certain uh, without like Galadriel uh, the, the and doom exactly, and and will they'll only cover like very small sections.
0: So in that sense, maybe it feels a little unbalanced. Um, well, I would just say this because because um, I want to talk about real fast the nature of adaptation, and I want to talk about where this where the production of this show is a lot different than the norm. So, mm-hmm. first with adaptation, transitioning this story one-to-one exactly like it's written in the appendices of Lord of the Rings and in the Silmarillion and in the Unfinished Tales, um, you couldn't do it because, and a lot of people have talked about this, you would have stretches of episodes where nothing's happening. You would have... Thousands of years going by, so basically recasting half the actors in the series every episode with new people that you mm. know you'll not get to stick around and meet and understand and get to know. And, and you know, I think when they... This is nothing new. If you look at the Peter Jackson movies, they condense... A long story that goes across many, many, many years, they condense it into a singular narrative. Uh, in the movies, you would think that Frodo gets the ring, Gandalf goes off to read about the ring, comes back a few months later, and he's like, oh shit, we got a problem. You know, No, in the books, it's like 17 years. Yeah. Um, and obviously the movie isn't going to sit around and be like, here's what Frodo was doing for 17 years. No, it's like it, it would ruin the pacing. With this show, they took a similar approach. They took all the big events they want to depict and they condensed it down to a more, like, a single time and place where all this stuff is happening. Is it exactly like it happened in the story? No. But we're getting to see these events depicted in a way that may not be textually faithful to Tolkien's uh, writings, but they carry the spirit of his writings, and in many ways I think carrying the spirit of his writing is almost just as, if not more important than adhering 100% to what the writing is.
1: I, I mean, if we take a look at, like, uh, the Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. isn't the, the first part of the books, there's supposed to be, like, a 10-year gap between when Frodo sees Gandalf and then when Gandalf comes back from Minas Tirith, like, with the information well, se- about seven, the
0: Ring? 17 years, that's what 17, I just said. Yeah, 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 like... Yeah, so it's it's just like it's, yeah it's it's crazy, and I mean like as you know other aspects about the um, the we, we story, will allow the liberties
1: right. To the story what I'm saying tellers. is,
0: I think when you know one of the things I've seen about one of the big criticisms I've seen leveled at the series is, oh, it's not this isn't keeping to Tolkien, it's pissing on Tolkien's story. It's like no it is in fact capturing the very essence of tolkien in some extremely creative ways while telling a version of the story that gets the broad strokes correct and not concerning itself with adhering to every minute detail that yeah. would make this series like 50 seasons long yeah the other also, aspect we
1: don't need any un- unnecessary filler And stuff like that. We don't need it to be one of those. No,
0: absolutely not. No, I think this. No, I absolutely not. Yeah. The other aspect I want to talk about with this show is that this show is not being handled like other shows. For example, and I'm going to use this as a comparison only because a lot of people like to compare the two for reasons I do not understand. You understand them. House of the Dragon, I, I know why, but it's stupid. House of the Dragon <laughs> versus Rings of Power. How are these shows being created differently from one another? House of the Dragon, they got a green light for the first season. They made the first season. The first season was released, and it's been very well received. I love it. It's been fantastic. Um, and during the release of season one, HBO Greenlit season two. And HBO said, "All right, season one has proven its worth. We're giving you another season. And it's, now season two will come out, and they will, uh, they will probably get renewed for a season three as that it, goes on."
1: I, I would say this more of so like the traditional way of how television right. yes. programs you, you usually make get sure, approved.
0: You make sure something works before you renew it for more yeah. seasons. It's yeah. a it's a safe investment uh, tactic. Lord of the Rings isn't being treated like that. Amazon, Bezos, whoever you want to blame or or thank, has given the showrunners of this series, they, they said, you guys get 50 hours. You guys get five seasons. We are just going to give it to you. You don't have to earn it through ratings. We we trust you to tell the story you want to tell, and we're going to give it to you. the The showrunners have said they've already been told they're going to get 50 hours with this show. And because of that, when when you're when a person is writing for a seasonal show where they don't know if they're going to get an, a season after the one they're writing, it means they have to write it in a certain way where everyone's story arcs while they can be implied to go beyond the season they're in, you still have to have something concise In that one season, you know, you got to play the short game. We see that a lot with um, like uh, Legend of Korra had that a lot where every season kind of just ends. And then the next season has to kind of get the engines, get the wheels spinning again. So Lord of the Rings doesn't have that problem because they've already been promised the full series run so they can make these plans for the long game. And they can set stuff up now that maybe won't pay off until season two or three or four or five. Yeah. But they have already been given the freedom to do that. So I think this is going to be one of those shows that once it's all done, we're going to step back and be like, there was a grand plan all along. But we were too caught up in the moment to moment to really understand that. Even then, though, I feel like if you
1: really, I mean this one billion dollar number is an incredibly bloated number and i hate that it's like that headline attention grabbing thing because you have to like really dissect what they're putting all the money and everything into yeah like once you understand like okay yeah the first season is going to seem i mean yeah they were given five seasons or whatever the amount is um but in, in all reality like the first season didn't cost a billion dollars. No. The first season cost them the better part of like 250 grand. Uh, I think if, if my 250 and like, grand, no, oh, uh, 250 million, excuse me. <laughs> I, I, I wish. Like, wow, like dude, that would be incredible <laughs> if they were able to do that. All right, hon, it says, um, it says here the budget was expected to be within the range of 100, 150 million per season and will likely eventually exceed $1 billion, uh, which would make it the most expensive television series ever made. So, with the first season being the $250 million, so to speak, because of like the cost of building sets and costumes and all the stuff that they hope to maintain throughout the rest of the series, you know... What is it? Nine episodes? Eight episodes? Eight episodes. It, eight. It's nine. Is it no? eight? Eight. Oh my god, I feel, it felt like nine. Jesus. <laughs> um... The eight episodes, let's say divided by two fifty, uh it comes out to thirty one million an episode. Yeah, that's an expensive ass first season. Yeah, I mean But it's, over again, the long game it'll it'll cost them a lot less. I
0: think I think a lot of in in many ways, I think the advertisement for the show has been questionable. Like like you said, flaunting around that half a billion, billion dollar number. Mm-hmm. Um I think it makes people just intrin just Dislike it just by nature of it costing a lot of money, because then you go, "Wow, you spent all this money and this is all we got." But they got I, a lot,
1: dude. It's, 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 yeah, we'll the talk, the,
0: we'll the, talk the CG about the, was
1: top notch. The the actual yeah, practical the stuff, stuff that they use was
0: top notch. Again, when I see stuff like people saying, "Oh, wow, this is this looks like absolute shit," that's the thing I saw. Like, are in you a kidding reveal. me? You I watched a, those trailers. I watched a review for for one of the episodes. It was the episode where Arondir and the Elves are caught. It was the episode uh, Adar where they're caught in the Orc camp, and they uh, the Warg gets set loose on them, mm-hmm. and they go. and I I read a review where like people were like, "It's insane how a show with this much money has something as visually, uh, uh as visually unimpressive as the Warg," and I'm like, "Hold hold on." Go back and watch that. And even just pause on that war. It is an extremely well-rendered uh, uh, uh thing in the environment that, like, <laughs> I don't understand how people look at something like this and they go like, wow, this looks like shit. Yeah. I'm like, I don't... What are you watching? What show are you watching that I'm not watching?
1: Yeah, and then... I mean, even when you get down to like also the fact that they use so
0: much practical stuff. Like, we'll talk about the practical stuff because there are certain things that blew me away when I found out that how how practical they were.
1: Yeah, I I um, don't know. I I don't know that that was ever really the issue with this show.
0: I think I think all of this has been to say the nature of adapting the series is really complicated, and when people just like. Talk about it in such simplistic terms. I think it takes away a lot from the discourse that could be had about just how it was adapted, why it was adapted the way it was, what it gained or necessarily lost mm-hmm. from from being adapted that way, and maybe how things can be improved or uh, going forward. Moving forward, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh. It's just adaptations a tricky job. people who who give this show shit for not adhering beat for beat you you don't know what you're talking about. Um, let's talk about these story threads. let's move on. I kind of split it up between like the the big like tent pole things that happen in the series. so I don't know if you I know we'll get the one you didn't really like out of the way first. I, I figured you arranged <laughs> it that way just so, for that reason. And and it's funny because you didn't like this, I loved this. And again, yeah. I think the disparity is I'm a huge Tolkien nerd and you're not. But yeah. uh the Harfoots. The har the 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 pre-hobbit Hobbitses. the proto-hobbits. Yeah, so one of the three races that kind of predate the hobbits um okay, uh, in in Tolkien's universe. So I I want to start
1: this off by saying now, they were probably really well done. Let me tell you, the between the like Saddock, in terms of like the leaders of like the Hardfoots or whatever the hell his last name was. Sadock like, Burroughs. He was impressive. Love that actor. I love mm-hmm. those sideburns. Like the costumes of all <laughs> these characters was fantastic. I have no quarrels or qualms with any of that. Like I think that in terms of like budget and stuff like that. Probably a lot of it went to go set up, like, all their costumes and all the amount of dirt. and Can you like, believe
0: there's people who said, like, the costumes look
1: like shit in this series? Dude, if you compare it to, like, the costumes, like, that a fucking uh, uh, Jackson made for the Hobbits in, in the other series, like, these are 20 billion times better. Come I mean, on.
0: those are still pretty good costumes. No, I just but don't about, think...
1: if you go, like, actually look at, like, the amount of detail, like, in everybody's, like, oh, yeah. head features oh, yeah. and everything. Like, dude, come on, like like I, the makeup listen, team and everything like they did a fantastic job
0: and again to, to say any of these things look bad is just to not understand the and you know this from production just the amount of work that goes yeah. into these things is staggering no I, I can identify like the
1: quality of work even as early as the trailer I remember when we have got our first image of Nori in the trailer I was like damn dude like you know like the one thing that you could always like notice about her character like even like from a performance side like is her eyes dude like they all like stand on screen and they you know they did it they shot all them well and these scenes well my thought was that this story i did not care about (laughs) (laughs) these little girls and them trying to you know they doing their come of age thing and like i love those types of stories but i just did not give a
0: shit this time (laughs) I <laughs> know that's fair. I think I think in many ways, especially um, later in the season, mm-hmm. th- I think a lot of it is when w- I don't know about you, but when the stranger first crashes down, uh, it's, cool. By, it's cool. But when when it happened and he and Nori and him first come to see each other at the beginning of uh, episode two. I don't know about you, but my first instinct when I saw that was, it's a wizard. It's a wizard. I I couldn't tell which wizard, but I was like, that's the. I mean, who are we fooling? It's an old man with a beard. I had no <laughs> point of reference. Everybody so, online liked to say
1: it's Gandalf. It's not Gandalf. It's Sauron. It's I wouldn't not, pu- I wouldn't put past like, the show to it's do. It's an story.
0: He isn't a star. They he they is. literally. They beat yeah. him in he the. He became.
1: The, actually, you know what? The name drop when they were like. They
0: called him Sauron, dude. I was like, no fucking way. I was like, these bitches don't know Sauron if it bit him in the ass. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> no. But I think a lot of people kind of like. In many ways, like, you know it's a wizard. Like, you, if you know Lord of the Rings, you know it's a wizard. So I think it's like almost like you just. I didn't know that's how the them. wizards were born. Onto uh, the Earth. It's never really explained. I, it, it might be. Again, I. I claim to be a, a real deep Tolkien fan, but like, there's always going to be someone who knows way more than I do. I, I just
1: also kind of like the the almost biblical like reference that like he literally fell from the sky.
0: Well, what I love from is the, the heavens. The, so if you will. the Istari come from uh, Valinor, and he appears. The comet appears as the veil uh, to Valinor lifts in the show. They're so. I can't get into the the details, or, or we'll be here all day. But um, wouldn't yeah. want that. So I think. So I think in a lot of ways, yes. The the Harfoot storyline is the is the, it's the most disconnected from everything. Mm-hmm. It is the most. It, it it takes its time. It wanders, I guess you could say. For myself, l- just seeing the the culture of the Harfoots and seeing their ways and I think a lot of their interactions are so in touch with Tolkien's like his his whole shtick, I feel like it's so it you can feel it so much in the Harfoot storyline. Um and I, I, I can totally understand someone seeing that part and just being like, it's not as engaging as as the rest of the series. Um, but like seeing like Nori and Poppy and watching their, their friendship, you know, and and Nori's relationship with a stranger and and watching his whole story unfold, I for myself I find it fascinating, but I can totally understand it just not hooking people as much as some of the other ones the
1: thing was is like i was okay with it at times but my my problem then became like i just found every other story and all the other characters in the other stories to be far more interesting
0: oh for sure for than sure.
1: theirs and so like that's what i'm talking about like there was an unbalanced aspect in some of the story just because in the first episode you know we get like this really great introduction with these characters and then like you know, their characters are supposed to be kind of like the foil to the action. We're, we're getting a little more whimsical. And that's fine. Like, we need a little bit of levity brought in. What? You have I, a
0: thought? No, no, no. I think, and we'll kind of get into this um, more when we get into, like, the valid criticisms and stuff. The, the stuff that actually holds merit in discussion. Um, but um, I think... This season, again, the creators of the series, it's their first go-around. This was their first time ever making a show, uh, as far as I know, as far as I can tell. And they, I think, felt the need to really backload that finale with everything. And I feel like maybe this season, if they didn't have to feel like they needed to force the uh, the whole... Um, Stranger storyline into that last episode, and they could have stretched it out differently. Maybe that would have made the whole first season with the Harfoots a little less plotting. I don't
1: know. I feel like but, the where they left them off, it, like it's already opened doors to like a much better season two for the Harfoot story. Oh, for sure. Because now it's just Nori and the strangers. I get. I suppose going off on their thing. Yeah, Who knows if we know touch if
0: back if on the other, you know, clan. I would, I would probably say we're not going to see the other Harfoots until like much For a later. a while.
1: But like, I am a okay with that because they took the two most important aspects and put them on a journey, much like an the adventure. Other, an adventure. Journeys, journeys are by yourself. Adventures are to be shared. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Fucking clever son of a bitch. Thank um, you. but it, I, I think it just, it, it, it kind of goes a little more like thematically with like the other adventures happening side by side so that when we finally cut back to those scenes, like, OK, at least for me in my own personal taste, I, I may find myself more interested and less sleepy um (laughs) no
0: that's understandable and you know what that's fine there's a lot of people who say like when they watch the lord of the rings movies or the hobbit series they say like i just wish we would get out of the shire sooner and i'm like i don't get it but okay no they don't
1: spend too much time in the shire in general like i liked going to like the prancing pony and oh i do too those areas like like yeah you stay
0: in the shire for less than i don't know 10 minutes You're preaching to the choir. Um, By the way, I wanted to point out this one uh, negative critic review on Rotten Tomatoes for the series. Out of the 13,000 audience reviews. Uh, The um, critic reviews, which is like 400-something. Yeah, that's a normal amount. This is from a guy named Akil Aurora from Gadgets 360 said, In the Lord of the Rings film trilogy we witnessed the battle of helms deep five hours in. five hours into rings of power we saw the series Treadwater, and i think that's again what what i feel like with you know when people say like the series doesn't hold up the series isn't as good and they're they're looking at it in terms of like literally how much time spent matched up where are we that doesn't make sense I think the time with the Harfoots is very important for what we're going to get later. I think any time where this series has really taken its time to set something up and explore something and show something in excruciating detail, it is all setting up so that way by the time things do happen, we are rewarded for our patience. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because you can't compare them one to one because the movie is a movie and the series is a series. Yeah. And it's more comparable to say, like at the end of this season, we're about as far into the story as like, if you watch the first Lord of the Rings and they like, just gotten to weather top or something. So yeah. it's, it's a weird comparison to make, but, um, yeah, as far as the Harfoots, I liked them. I can understand if someone didn't, it's, it's, uh, I think a subjective thing. Um, but let's talk about something that a lot of people, I think, kind of uh, had many mixed feelings on uh, for one reason or another. Some good, some bad. Uh, Galadriel and Halbrand. This was,
1: uh, uh, I guess, one of the higher points of the show. Yeah. Because so to also go. taking from the one point of like reference I had from Tolkien's works that I am familiar with. You know, Galadriel is my connection from Lord of the Rings films and Tolkien history to this show, along with, you know, Elrond, but we'll get to him later. Um, And one Celebrimbor. Um, Mm -hmm. But Galadriel, seeing her also kind of like in a much different light, she is action hero.
0: And a lot of people took issue with that, and a lot of people Why? said, oh, That's not because in the movies she is an ethereal. She's, she's also like in like the third thousandth year of her life, and she's also no much further than that. And also even worse. Again, there is there is plenty of textual evidence to say, to say that yes, Galadriel could very well have been a sword." touting badass in... I,
1: th- I think when you live quite a long lifetime you can experience <laughs> multiple different ways of living that life.
0: Let I don't even say, need books could, to tell me that. I could sit down with anyone who's a critic of Galadriel's story and I could literally be like, no, this is why this is happening. You just do not understand. Yeah. Um. And I I feel like I have plenty of valid uh understanding of why anything in her story works really well. I think the show does not do the best job of explaining a lot of her motivations you mean though, that everything's not
1: in vain of her brother I feel no, like no, no. they get I it pretty think, clear
0: no no I think it's pretty good I think like you know how like she gets to Numenor and then like she's immediately kind of like disregards everyone else's shit and she's just like no you're gonna listen to me and this is what we're gonna do and everyone's like hold the fuck up lady um and I think for a lot of people who aren't who don't understand the story or maybe aren't familiar with the story. They just see her as like this really brash and impulsive and rude person who like, why would you just show up on someone's doorstep and start demanding shit of them? I I think Um, personally, but it's almost like, it's like, yeah, go ahead. No, it's just like, I think she thought that
1: like, okay, the dangers that she knew of in the realm that are very much existent, that are not just her problems or everybody's problems. Like for Mm -hmm. me as a viewer that like that came across to me that I, yeah, I could see how obviously she would be brash, but I was like, no, like she's
0: trying to spout some very important shit. No, no, no. She is, she is a very big picture person. Yeah. Interacting with a lot of very small picture people. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the biggest hurdle she faces. Um, but, um, no, I, I thought Morphid Clark did a fantastic job. Everyone talks about it, but there's this moment in the first episode. It was the first, Yeah, first episode when uh, she's talking with Elrond by the tree depicting uh, Finrod, her brother. And he talks about He's like, oh, you know, you've. I understand you're conflicted. And she's like, conflicted? And you see her face like twitch at that and I'm like it's such a good moment like you can feel the energy underneath it and what's great is that her character really turns a point after the eruption of Druin where <sighs> she does change she kind of gets to a point when she's like literally threatening to like kill Adar's children in front of him and then leave him for the last mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty dark I gotta admit she does touch the darkness yeah But, um, I, but it's like, I feel like people go like, I wish I had it. I wish I had it. There was a tweet that someone made, uh, and it was a wonderful thing. I'm sorry. I don't remember who you are. If you hear this podcast and you're like, that was me. This is a not Zach original idea. It's not, I don't take credit for this, but someone, uh, online had posted a thing where they said, the worst thing we can do as fans is stand at the finish line knowing where all these characters are going and get angry at them for not already being there. It's like, we know where they're going to end up. If they're not like that now, give them a chance to have a character arc that lands them where they're going to be. Don't I Don't be mad. Don't be mad at them. Don't be mad at Galadriel because she's not this ethereal wood witch who, who is like terrifying and amazing like like yeah. she'll get there she'll get there and it'll be great um i already had she has moments like that in this first season and uh i don't know let's talk about halbrand halbrand so a peculiar character okay i mean are we just gonna like can we just like get out of- he's Sauron? He's
1: Sauron, dude, and the fucking moment he walked into Celebrimbor's workshop, it was was like, like, if you didn't know at that point, like, one, you're like, what the fuck is he doing in there? And then he opened his mouth like an asshole and started (laughs) talking and revealed it to the audience.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, so, it's funny because, like, when it first happened, I was like, hmm, he's Sauron, okay. I really thought we were going to get an Anatar reveal um, that's, like, in... The, that's Sauron's real fair form in the books is, is Anatar, Lord of Gifts. But I'm okay with them mixing it up. It's fine. I don't care. Like, I, I want a good storytelling, not like a slave to the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at, at first I go like, hmm, Does the does the story make sense if I go back and I watch it now with that context? And one, I think it does. And two, I think I can. I've only ever watched the series with the mindset of he is definitely not Sauron. Mm-hmm. And now, if I go back um, and I've been, I, I was hoping to do this before we recorded, but I don't have time to watch an entire season again. But uh, I really want to go back and rewatch the whole season now, knowing everything that I know and just seeing the breadcrumbs that are left there. Yeah. which... I think with Halbrand there are a lot. Because I think right from the get-go, he was doing some pretty sussy shit.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. I liked... I mean, I I don't know that I realized. I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't know. I thought that Sauron was going to be a whole separate other character. I thought at one point he was, like, the king of the Southlands. Like, I thought it was like kind of like a mirror of, like, Aragorn's... Sort of. of, Like, real.
0: The two biggest theories with him... Uh, in the community were That he was going to be the Witch King of Angmar Or that oh. he was going to be The Dunharrow King I don't know um, who Dun-Haro the Dunharrow The is. The Ghost, the, the Oathbreakers Oh, and the dude And those, those were are... like the two, Those were the two biggest like, who is this guy And stuff, those, but... Either of those would
1: have been Fucking cool, but like the fact that he's Sauron, I'm not gonna lie, I was still Surprised, and no, it was, it was... it's what Brought me back in, I was like, oh shit Like, this is gonna be good
0: yeah, and I mean, you know what? Uh, uh, feels. Uh, what is it? Um, looks fair. Looks fair. Feels foul. Uh, I think he really he, he, he nailed it. it. That that transition of when he's like, I have been around since the the breaking of the first sound, and and I have had many names. I was just like, oh, this is some like Satan in the Garden of Eden shit right here. This is exactly that. Um, I. Needless to say, uh, I
1: liked his character. I like the relationship he built with uh, Galadriel. I think it, it there's the point in the finale where like he tries to offer her like that turn. and as you remember, Zach, she is attracted to power. She, like she's, oh yes, she stops herself. Uh, from or I don't know that she stopped herself. But she like, stops herself from like she makes everybody. With him. She makes everybody aware. I mean, I'm still talking like fellowship at this point. Like you know, when oh, we she, and then she we, was we, all we about bring that power, and so when we bring that idea of, to her
0: character here, like, yo, I there would could say, have
1: been a relationship between them, and who's to say that there isn't in the future?
0: I would I, say if 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 I have one quick thing regarding that is that I wish they had set up Galadriel's desire for power a lot earlier, because mm-hmm. we don't really get into that final episode. Uh, and I feel like it could have been very easily just, like, she wants power to get back at Sauron for killing her brother, and yada, 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 and the rest of the season the I think the same. we could kind of, like, assume
1: in her actions, though it's not said, but, like, sh- her being, like, a very capable and powerful character, like a fighter as well, like, I think that kind of, like, Oh Come for sure with it.
0: for sure it's not bad but but um I feel like you know I, and they probably will with later seasons like I really want to dig into like you know who Galadriel has the potential to be if she gave into these like dark desires you know the yeah. in place of a queen uh, the place of a lord of a queen you know Yeah, that shit yeah um so I want to see scary Galadriel and not like I'm a you know angry uh revenge hungry person and scary i want to see like like fellowship of the ring like i am a very powerful person and you should fear me right uh kind of gladriel but let's transition to i think what many people consider like kind of the the beating heart of this series which Bro. was elrond and durin the
1: like greatest relationship i didn't realize that i was missing in my life
0: <laughs> and they're both just so good um,
1: i i uh i i'm not going to lie Elrond's introduction yeah i feel like was a tad weak for me and like was i in, in linden in linden yeah and like it was to the point like that i would see him in like his relationships with others that like I kind of grew to, like, really enjoy seeing him on screen.
0: Yeah, his his relationship with uh, Gil-Galad, with Celebrimbor, those were good, but obviously like, that the second episode, when he goes to Khazad-Dum, and you know, he invokes the right of Sigin Tarak, and he goes, and he has the contest with Durin, and you can tell that it's not going the way he thought it was, and that conversation that first conversation they have on the lift where he's like dude if you're pissed at me you better say something he's like pissed I'll tell you why I'm pissed and we get this lovely you know thing from Durin about like you missed 20 years of my life I've had I've like lived a whole life in that time and you weren't there like what kind of friend are you yeah and then and, they, they make a great note about
1: like kind of like the time disparity between like these elves that live forever Mm-hmm. and, you know, every
0: other living creature. Yes, it's especially with Durin and Elrond, and even some stuff, especially toward the, the back end of the season uh, with, with the race of men mm-hmm. as compared to the elves. But yes, just the whole thing. And then I remember there was so much shit flung at this series because they cast a black woman as Disa, but oh my god are you kidding me i loved her she she was was the best part of the show yes oh my god uh she can really command a scene uh she was uh she knew how to be like tender and kind but also like really intense and there's the episode where uh she is hiding that Durin is mining the Mithril, and so she even has like a coy side to her, where she's not revealing all the cards in her hand. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just just fantastic. And I love seeing the difference between the Elven culture and the Dwarven culture. Um, getting to see the different aspects, especially with the Dwarves, with uh, like the whole idea of resonating with the mountain to yeah. figure out where they should dig and where they should leave the mountain alone because maybe there's a giant balrog dude that was a great little tease <laughs> just saying uh, yeah i i uh yeah it was pretty it was pretty cool
1: um and i, I just want to say the one part about like sophia novette's costume as mm-hmm. uh the princess um which is different like I, it's just the one thing I was always attracted to is like, the... They put, like, contacts on her the eyes. golden like eyes. Gold, to have these golden eyes. But I, I promise you, like, it just drew everybody in every single time she would say anything. Or yeah, she would those. just talk sense into Durin. And I'm like, she is so impressive. Like, just the way that she, like, embodies this character. And, like, you know, there was, obvi- there was an obvious, like, physicality to it, too. That, like, she... She was like this, this bigger woman, and like mm-hmm. that was like Doran's, like the apple of his eye, and everything. It was just so beautiful. It's,
0: it's so wonderful Yeah, because you know that they did idea. have
1: really great on on screen chemistry too.
0: Beauties in the eye of a beholder, obviously, but the yeah, just everything about the doors was so interesting. Watching seeing their technology work, that door that has the 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 window that opens up the Dwarven uh, armor where the faceplates just pop open. I was a little scared of
1: that. I was like, <laughs> I saw some of these things. I'm like, this is a little, uh, what did they not want us to see about some of these dwarves? Cause that was before we even <laughs> get to like see Durin or any of these other folks.
0: Right. Um, and then of course we have the, the, uh, Mithril plot mainly, I think the drama between Durin and his father Durin, um, which I think there's some interesting stuff because you see, like, at least in the first few times they interact, Durin the third is very tolerant of Durin the fourth kind of pushing his boundaries a bit and trying to to make this mithril plot work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's in that, that final scene when he rips the, the nameplate yeah, off, off off Durin the uh, fourth's uh, chest, and he basically disowns him. And it's a pretty rough scene. Um, the one thing I was not expecting, and I'm so glad we got, was just a really rich family drama. You know, this idea of of Durin the third being too afraid to take a step into the future because he's too trying too hard to cling to the past, and Durin the fourth. Wanting to delve too deep and too greedily, which we know will be the the ending of the dwarves and the Casa Doom uh, uh, household. It's kind of like watching a, a Greek tragedy where you know it's just going to end horribly. I
1: was I was thinking to myself when watching, I'm like, this is just like the Tolkien version of succession right here. <laughs> I'm just. I was just waiting for Durin the Third to be like, "Fuck off, fuck off," and just like walk off screen. But like, it's no, my you really...
0: mithril. You can't have any. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like, uh, I mean, honestly, like, come on, like, tale as old as time. Like, sons uh, going against the old ways of their fathers.
0: Yeah, and then just the the bond between um, Elrond and Durin. That that ep- You know, in the episode where. Durin the third tells him like no we're not helping the elves they're they're on their own and you can see like when Elrond is saying goodbye to Durin the intense emotion between the two of them it's like it's it's powerful it's moving and I don't think anyone you know who who gave the show a fair shake uh, would disagree that it's this is maybe the strongest part of the show. Yeah, and that's like, this was
1: always the story that, like, I guess attracted my eyes, like, the most, like, in just in terms of everything that we watched. It was, it had all the drama that we would kind of experience with, like, the Hardfoot stories, mm-hmm. um, but with characters I found more endearing. <laughs> and uh, with problems that maybe I would say, like, I could relate to more so. With maybe, maybe. Rather than the other ones. But it is probably the strongest. Uh, less action part of the show, but, like, you know, stands on its own.
0: For sure. Here, let's, uh, we're, we're gonna, I want to pick up the pace a little bit because we have a, a lot more points I want to talk about, and, and, uh, not to, not to not give these things their fair shake, but I don't want this episode to drag on too long. We got the Southlands, we got, uh, Arondir and Bronwyn's relationship, the doomed elf and human, uh, relationship obviously they they don't work unless your names are aragorn and arwen can i tell you something dude like i didn't realize
1: that there was a place called the southlands until we watched uh all the events kind of unfold it's Uh,
0: because i mean there's not really a southlands on the map it's you know there's mordor or there's harad you know even i think the the watch warden in the tower in the first episode calls it like tear or something Oh, okay um whatever uh but man i just i loved the relationship between arndir and bronwyn i thought it was really well done you know it evokes that baron and luthien uh forbidden romance it's mm-hmm. probably gonna end really badly for for one of them if not both of them i don't have a I don't. We got, we got a couple of teases that like ah, oh, that could, something could happen to either one of them,
1: like I, multiple times in this season.
0: I yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have high hopes for the the end of theirs. Um, I really think one of them is one of them or both of them is doomed to die, and it's going to be very tragic because yeah. that that is the story that they're trying, I think, to to represent. Uh, there's Theo, little boy Theo. Theo's story annoyed me. Not going to lie. <laughs> Why with the the hilt, where he's like stabbing himself and trying to prove himself as a, uh, as a contributing member of society? Of what society? Of you his, know what I'm saying? Like of his little shit town. Like that's the thing. Like
1: I, I just, I always found Theo to be like an annoying, reluctant character. That he was <laughs> like, he's just a child, and he behaves as such. He well, does sure. things without thinking. He but is I love not the, as capable as he thinks he is.
0: I love that it carries the torch from the Lord of the Rings of, like, dark tools tempt people. Yeah. He's tempted by the hilt. He says it himself. He, like, even when it's gone, he feels like an emptiness in very much the same way that, like, Bilbo and Frodo felt when they gave up the ring and yeah. Gollum. Um But, uh... And, of course, uh, he gets Galadriel's sword after. That's a great thing. Uh, I I did not like that. I did not like that. It's thematically perfect because the big question in the first episode that Elrond uh, says to Galadriel... Or he doesn't... It's not a question, but he says, you know, put away your sword. And she says, if I do, what am I to be without it? And that's the big question of Galadriel. She doesn't know when to stop. She doesn't know when enough is enough and when to stop fighting And in the episode after Aura Druin erupts, she gives up her sword to Theo, uh, to help him. And we see that she has a role to play in this story, even without her sword. And I thought it was so good. And now Theo replaces his evil, black, dark, horrible sword with one of light. And I'm like, this is awesome. I hope it doesn't end in tragedy. That's the thing. I'm, like, thinking to myself,
1: like, I don't know, buddy. You're now, like, the poorest kid in the poorest town with, like, the most expensive sword. So, yeah, we'll really. see what happens. Um, um, and then we we have Adar and the orcs. Dude, Adar. Father, if you will. Um yeah. I like this character a lot. He has yeah. a lot of promise in
0: terms of, like, villain uh, capability. I, fe- I felt like some of his stuff was a little, like, hmm cliche villain talk like where he's like i'm not a god at least not yet and i'm like shut up dude (laughs) no but but no i'm okay with it because obviously um there's a bit of theatrics um, there that i'm all right joseph molly i don't know how to pronounce his last name is a really good actor and he does a fantastic job here especially in the episode udun when we really get to delve a lot more into his character and how he's one of the first orcs that mm-hmm. was corrupted by Morgoth and how he he really does see the orcs around him as like his children and he believes that they are worthy of the same light of Eru Luvatar as anyone else. Um, and it kind of, it, it paints the sometimes black and white nature of like the orcs versus people that the movie has in a more complicated light. That Tolkien always struggled with, dude.
1: I uh, I, I'm gonna relate this, but like I also now realize. Wait, we said this early in the show, but this is who Benjamin Stark is in the show, at <laughs> art. Um, but I don't know. There's something about his character that it's like I found. Um, you know, you you talked about like it being a little bit cliche, but there was there was just something about the way. There's still a lot of mystery surrounding him. I like that we got to establish, like, that he is... This is where we get the idea of, like, the Urukai from, right? Well, Uruks, yes. The Uruks, yes. Because he was the one that helped kind of... I don't want to say, like, create these fucking guys. That's not it. He, like,
0: raised them, clothed them. I just think like in terms them. of like
1: like the words, like the the nomenclature, like if we Uruk, want to talk about like
0: Uruk is just is just black speech for orc. Listen, whatever it is, the leader of the orcs <laughs> will then be
1: called the Uruk I think Uruk- I I saw a relationship there and I'm like <laughs>
0: Listen, I think Adar was a good field general, uh, if you will. The, the one thing I'm very curious on, the one thing I'm hoping to get in season two, which I'm sure we'll get in season two, I in a lot of people have theorized it's going to be the first thing we see in season two, is the backstory between Adar and Halbrand and Sauron, of what what Adar did to Sauron to push him out of the Southlands and get him on that raft in the first place. Yeah. Um, so I'd be interested to see that because I am glad we I'm glad Adar didn't die in the season and we get to play with him moving forward but um, yeah I would say uh, as far as uh, spectacle though we get the episode 6 which is all like Southlands basically and we get to see this awesome uh, collapse of the tower we get to see this awesome battle in the village And we get to see the eruption of Orodruin. I don't know that I was expecting that in this show. I had a feeling when they were building, when they were burrowing tunnels, I didn't know that they were going to, like, cause a water thing to go in and, like, scientifically cause the eruption. Yeah. I thought it was, because in that, you know, when they, like, they rip away the vines and they see the the carvings that show the dagger and all that? Mm Mm-hmm it's showing them plunging it into a person. So I thought somebody was going to get sacrificed, like blood sacrifice to awaken uh, Oridruin. I'm kind of
1: glad that there was a little more of like a, a, a real, Yeah, like it was all like mechanisms and stuff rather than no, like it was cool. blood sacrifice it, magic. No,
0: it was great. I I, I thought they were, they were just tunneling just so they didn't have to go out into the light, but I'm like, there's a further reason for it. I'm game. I, I did my research after that episode came out. I'm like time to become yep. an expert on volcanoes. <laughs> well,
1: well, now you bring up an interesting point because I forgot. Like, there's a point now, or like in the future, where the orcs were able to like
0: kind of be into light. That's the Urukai. Only only speci- the Urukai are allowed in the light. Special, well, not allowed. They 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 can endure it. They, they can specially, survive. Specially bred by Saruman to do that. Yes. Oh, uh, I did not know this. There you go. That's the truth of it. I learn something new every day. There you go. All right, yeah. Southlands that was fun. I like those characters. Apparently, they are not. I mean, their whole thing now is going to be in a different location for season two. But I'm all for it. Let's talk Numenor. Numenor, Numenor with Elendil, and is So, Isildor. I obviously, hate that
1: that's his name. Isildor. Yeah, because there's. I only think of the one Isildor. This is. This is the one. No, you told me he wasn't him. You said that he would come much later. I asked you this. No. Now now
0: I sound like an idiot on the show. No, he's Elendil and Isildur. They're the ones. That They even have Narsil. You see Narsil on the show. Okay, but then how come when I asked you about
1: it, about Isildur who cut off the ring yes. of Simon's Finger, you're like, that? that's not the same as Isildur. It's later.
0: I don't think I said that. Cause Someone, I swear it was you that told me that. Okay, now I I think like an <laughs> asshole. I'm like, why is this door so important? No, if- it's, it's definitely the exact same Isildur. And I love that they've already set up that he is impulsive. I like that they set up that he makes decisions that he thinks is great for himself and does not consider the damage he does to everyone around him. I love that. I love that they show him as... This just, he really wants to prove himself and he knows he, he, he knows there's something great for him to do out there, but he doesn't know what. Uh, and I like that everyone kind of hates him. (laughs) Yeah, he's, uh, he's not very well liked. But, um, I did think the fake out death in the final few episodes was like, I was like, let's not play this out. Like, he better show up in the first episode of season two, be like, I'm okay. You think he will? Yeah, absolutely, because he has a job to do, which is cut the ring off Sauron's hand. Alright, um, I just want to make sure. I'm surprised that now, knowing that Halbrand is Sauron, I don't know if Halbrand and Isildur had any interactions. Like screen to, time together? I don't think they did, and I, knowing now that Halbrand is Sauron, I almost would have liked them to at least have a moment of being like, what's up, dude? Can we talk about Numenor, this perfect society
1: that also fucking sucks? Well, a perfect society in decline. Oh, there we go. See, yes. that's the thing. How so, utopia can utopia be if utopia is declining?
0: Well, here's the thing. Uh, we can examine this through Muriel and her father Tar Palantir, the idea of the faithful, and Farazan scheming. So, Farzan is part of the new group not he's not part of the new group but he's he's of the newer mind that we need to reject the ways of the elves and just be our own people and forge our own identity uh, away from the elves and the faithful are the ones who say no the elves had it right we need to make sure we remember the important histories of our people um because That is the only way we can maintain who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love the balance because Muriel, you can tell she believes in the faithful, but she's, she is conflicted uh, because her father is also, you know, uh, kind of, the people of Numenor aren't really happy with him. They've, they've. Sectioned him off in a tower somewhere, mm-hmm. so she wants the best. What's best for her people, but she also, you know, she believes what she believes. Yeah, and there's this great moment in the final episode, um, where she and Isil, or she and Elendil are talking, and he talks about how it's really hard for him to, you know, think about being one of the faithful when he's lost so much and she's like, listen, this is part about being the faithful is, is keeping your faith. Even when the struggle is at its worst. Yeah. And he, he says, fine, you know, we're going to stick to it and we're going to make it worth it. And I think that's an amazing thing of his faith is he, he proves his faith, not when it's easy, but when it's difficult, I would say
1: that's probably when most people, in the world in terms of like relative themes like most people could probably <laughs> take that and decide for themselves like hey let's put our faith to the test really when uh, it's most inconvenient for us because <laughs> and that's just like a word
0: to the wise <laughs> of course and you uh and then you see kind of like with like Farzan, he's just scheming and he's like we're gonna go to war and we're gonna help these people and they're gonna owe us and we can go and Collect resources and slaves and yeah. um it'll be great. <laughs> and they also uh, I don't know if you caught this, but in the end in the last episode, they really play up his like resentment of the moral more morality, the mortality of men. How men will eventually die. They're not immortal like elves. Mm-hmm. And he has this line where he talks about them creating the visage of Tar Palantir. And he's like, you know, when he dies, he will be entombed in stone, immortalized in stone. Uh, And, you know, he'll achieve immortality that no man uh, will ever get. And it's, it's a very pointed line of just, like, he's very resentful of these elves. And we see that earlier in the season with this, like, rabble that forms in the square In Numenor, um, where they're saying, oh, you know, elves are gonna come to our shores, elves who don't age, elves who who live forever, you know, and and he, he, it's, it's a lot of people like, oh, wow, this show's being political, but it's like, no, it's like, it's a real concern for the men of this world. They, they, they... Yeah. They escaped,
1: and they are on this place where it's like, there are no elves, and so it's like, it's something that they've dealt with, like, in their... It's kind of what they establish in their own way of life.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the Adain were given the island of Numenor for helping defeat Morgoth. But in the millennia since then, you know, they have forgotten their ways and they have tried to strive to get their own identity and they resent the elves for being immortal when they are not. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I I'm it's really shaping up that season two is going to be a lot of politically motivated stuff uh, between Farazhan and Muriel. Um, And I think it's going to be great because Numenor's downfall is a very awesome story. So one of the
1: pieces of the Numenor story that I found interesting, it's also a nice callback, is when we reveal their own possession of the the, the seeing oh, orb. The palantir. The palantir. And what does she recite as soon as they reveal it on screen? Uh, green eights and ham. No, that's not what she says, Zach. Oh. She's like, oh, uh, what the- I even texted it to you word for word. I don't remember what it said, but it's just like, <laughs> oh, not all of them have been accounted for. Right, right. And so, I like kind of how this man, uh, Tar, Tar Palantir.
0: Yes, which uh, apparently, as I understand it, uh, Tolkien named the stone. I, he named one either the stones or the guy that before the other, and did not act, did, It was an accident that they were kind of named the same thing. It's fine. Well, Palantir, um, means, pa- Palantir means Palantir means far seeing. So,
1: but he had basically now has lost all. Kind of like I don't want to say like he doesn't realize what's real or fake,
0: and he says that like oh, what's I made that. up. I I kind of I can no longer tell what is from what was, what was from what will be. Exactly, and like the way
1: that it kind of like casts this whole um, very similar shadow uh, into the future of the show, and also the future of like Numenor's fate. That similarly they did in House of the Dragon
0: this last week. Or, like, was, two weeks ago. It is very funny that both series have, in their eighth episode, a dying king uh, tell some cryptic shit to someone who they think is their daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and it's
1: like, mm, I don't know, chief. This is interesting. I just liked kind of seeing that the same motifs kind of go uh, in between sh- in the series. And just, now. Oh, yes. Go, please. Where we come to see Valinor at the end as they are mourning their king and... You mean Numenor. Excuse me. What the fuck did I say? Valinor. Valinor. I meant Numenor. (laughs) Fuck Numenor. Fuck fuck Valinor. Numenor is about to have it stay in the sun until their sun obliterates and floods its entire... That's what happens, right? It floods... (laughs) It basically it, can, it, can, it goes by. It sinks
0: to the bottom of the. It's earth like Atlantis.
1: It's, it disappears. Spoilers, I guess, for season five. <laughs> yeah, we'll see when that comes to fruition. Um, but I am uh, I, I would say their story. Like while these characters and all their action, um, you know, we got to see them in the Southlands. We got to see them on the water and 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 do all these, uh, fun things and come to save the day. Uh, I will be very happy to see kind of where we find our characters post um you know uh burial or whatever the fuck we, you know is happening yes yeah like are they going to accept their new blind queen as such they they better they better will it but, but the thing is, um, like she was also like on the field you know she was a woman of action i don't know if we want any more of these like theoden like kings around about anymore i don't know how they felt about know. it we'll, back in time. they we'll, might give her a harder
0: time because she's a woman too you never know we will uh we will see um i i don't know if a lot of people realize a lot of casual viewers realize how much of a bummer the end of this series is gonna be Oh, because they're setting up a lot of this stuff for like really catastrophic just loss and death and destruction. I know the fates of a lot of these characters just from reading the stuff, and some of them have very upsetting <laughs> ends to their stories. Dude, Isildur gets, like, mugged off of, like, his horse. He does get mugged off his horse. Um, but real fast, I want to transition from talk about Numenor to talk... Uh, I want to use Numenor as a jumping-off point to very briefly, because we are, we are just cruising on by in the time, but... Uh, I want to talk about the visual effects and the practical sets. We already talked about Brandon McCreary's score. It's great. But the visual effects and the practical sets because, man, first off, Numenor looks amazing. Yeah, it looks pretty good. It's fantastic. That I love when you first get there and you go through the little canyon, uh, the the mouth of the river, going into, um, uh, what is it, Armenolos, mm-hmm. the, the the city, and it pulls out and you can see the whole bay and there's the statue of earendil uh holding his hand out as if to beckon someone forward which is very much in opposite to the argonath later in lord of the rings where they are holding their hands out as if to keep people back yeah it's so good and then it pulls out and you're like damn this place is big and then it pulls out even more and you're like damn this place is big and then it pulls out even further and you're like Jesus, damn, that's a <laughs> um, big boy. <laughs> but I mean, from there, from the uh, the interiors of Khazad Dûm, Eregrin, uh, Linden, seeing all these places, seeing the eruption of Orodruin, the visual effects were insane in this show. I um,
1: I'm actually happy that they minimized the amount of like other types of creatures and stuff that we would be exposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, to a kind of a minimum. Like, I think, like, in the very first episode, we got, like, I'm trying to imagine, the, what was the name of the that ice big... Ice Troll. S- exactly, the Ice Troll. And then, for the most part,
0: we got the Warg, we have Practical Orcs, and yeah. that's about it. And you know what's crazy? There's stuff where I was like, this, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this was, like, a visual effect, but, like, the the aftermath of the eruption of Orodruin is all practical. They oh, have this wow. bes- behind the scenes where it's all just set, it's shot on a on a set, and they have just the whole set is just dyed is just tinted this deep red, and they have the ashes and the burning buildings and everything. And did that horse amazing. on fire
1: was it uh, like? I feel so bad for him. I'm I'm like, like, oh... He doesn't doesn't even know what's going on. Please be CGI fire. I'm sure. No, They didn't look at the end of the episode where it said, like, oh, no animals are harmed in the making of the... The one horse was a little bit harmed
0: in the making of this episode. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But, man, just, yeah. uh, The practical sets this last episode where you had all the stuff in Oregon, where, like, Celebrimbor's workshop uh, was so good. Um just you know anything I could I can think of you know I, I never had a moment where I was like wow that's a person on a sound stage
1: no I think the only one that I was like a little bit questionable about is like when they arrived at the doors of Durin um, that wasn't the
0: doors of Durin but yes I hear you
1: what the fuck did they call it it was just a door it wasn't the same one that we went to in fellowship. No,
0: no that one is we'll, we'll probably get that at some point in the next few seasons. Oh, I thought it was. That is created by Celebrimbor and Narfi. First they have to get more mithril and then Celebrimbor turns mithril into Ithildin and uses that to trace the the writing in You're lo- the, you're losing me. The Doors of Durin Lord of Moria. It's I, gotta w- I got to I, I got to watch it. The these runes the, uh, what is it the 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 store was created by Narfi the runes by Celebrimbor of Eregion. Oh, all right can we talk some last questions no Zach no because no. No. i
1: have I have several questions yes, the rings mm-hmm the rings were crafted they were made we saw three of them the three for the elves,
0: yes, yeah, so these ones ne- were nenya. Vilya
1: oh. and Naria. Oh, they have names. Perfect. Yes. Love that. Gonna forget those for sure. Um, <laughs> made of Mithril, but it they only made three. We didn't see the ones for the dwarves or the men, nor the one in secret. And so I didn't realize that the rings were made at different time periods, but you, I think you mentioned to me that it was never really specified, like, when I, they were made. Yeah,
0: I mean, the I, again, like, someone's gonna come and be like, actually, it's this. Oh, As go suck a dick. To, to my most strongest recollection, what we know the forging of the Rings of Power is that there was just three, and then seven, and then nine, and then one. And that was it? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm sure in the next season we're going to get the th- the the 7 and the 9. Mm-hmm. And it will be Dude, at uh, one point I guess
1: then we will get the introduction to the Witch King of Angmar.
0: Yeah, I mean we have to at some point theoretically. Well, hi, my name's King.
1: <laughs> my name's King Witch. of
0: Angmar. <laughs> oh, uh it's a real nice town you got here. What's it called Angmar. I'm going uh, thinking of that, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited. I'm excited to see uh, uh, the Stranger and Nori's trip to Rune. I was I was going to say, where's where's Rune about? Rune is to the east because Rune means east. Um, <laughs> and oh, that, uh, that makes, makes the lands sense. called East. <laughs> and what's interesting is that a lot of people. For, for good reason, point to the stranger and they say Gandalf, because he does a lot of Gandalf stuff and says a lot of Gandalf lines. But um, his story is very much the Blue Wizard story. Which, there isn't much of a Blue Wizard story. Um, not yet there's not. Not yet there's not. Um, so, I think, I really think they're leading people to think it's Gandalf, and I think it, probably in the next season, it's going to be like Boom Blue Wizard. Okay. He's either Alatar or Palando. Palando sounds cool. Kind of sounds like Rolando. There you go. I like that. But, listen, Chris, I'm going to be honest with you. I could sit here forever talking about all the minuscule little details about this show that blew me away. But I realize our audience, our lovely listeners, uh, they probably have a limit to how much they can take our dulcet tones. I would say that let's err on the side of caution, then. <laughs> um, and I'll just say, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we appreciate your ears. And we are going to try to keep this train a rolling because House of the Dragon is ending next week, and hopefully we can create some kind of content around that. We have House of the Dragon ending. We mm-hmm. have
1: Andor, who, which will end soon. I have my mother calling me right now, and I'm not even going to pick up the phone. Um, Wakanda
0: Forever is coming we out. Have
1: Wak- we have Avatar 2! Avatar 1 returned to theaters. Oh my
0: god, that's right. There is, I mean, we did just finish She-Hulk and- as well. And there's I would, I would by love. Night. I would love to cover two towers uh, by the end of this year, if possible. Uh, there's too much, as always, and we're going to try and get it to all of you guys, because that's that's what the heroes do. This uh, this podcast platform
1: deserves uh, a new uh, class criminal, and we're going to give it to you. <laughs> um. So I guess that does it, Chris, for this episode of Scriptor Screen. Thank you, lovely listeners, for your ears again. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris Kitchen. That's Zach Strachman. You can find us on our website at www.scripturescreen.com or anger.fm forward slash screen. There you can find all our past, present, and future episodes and where they are available. Follow us at Screen on all social media platforms. Leave us a like. Share us with your friends. Leave us a comment. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Namariye. Does that mean by? It means go with goodness. Oh, jeez.